hard to communicate if you don't know that like that's that that's actually what you're desiring right we make it about all of these other things right like i want x y and z from you you're not giving me this that and the other thing and you're like well that doesn't make sense so i'm gonna do this but it's like if we really get down to the root of like what it is that we want and need you know like the connection the support all of that and being a team it's so much easier to be like oh she wants me she wants me there like it's she not yeah. just like she doesn't just want my help like she wants like me it's so much easier coming from that place welcome to the 1000 day sober podcast my name is lee davy i am not an alcoholic i refuse to be anonymous i am someone that doesn't drink alcohol an amazing father husband son friend leader lover and master coach and i spend every minute of my life helping other people live kick-ass lives like i'm trying to do myself okay and today we're going to be having a did i just say and today <laughs> we're going to be having a conversation with a wonderful coach her name is amanda frederick and the the title is self-love for queens uh we're going to talk about what is a queen what is self-love for a woman how does the matriarchal storyline and history impact this uh, we're going to talk about receiving we're going to talk about a lot of things to do with uh, relationships actually but more geared up to the women in the audience so that means every single man should listen to it if you're married to a woman all right or you want to be in some time in the future so um yeah let me introduce you to Amanda Frederick. Amanda Frederick is self-love and relationship coach. She's on a mission to help women raise their vibration, be the love they so deeply desire, and create a life that turns them on. For years, she struggled with finding her purpose, living to only please those around her, sound familiar, and clinging to unfulfilling jobs and relationships. She's since healed and changed in ways she never knew possible, and she's on the mission to help other people do the same, okay? She is opening herself up for one-on-one -on -one coaching very shortly, and she has a course coming out soon uh, to help postpartum mothers. Uh, so if you're interested in any of those things, then you should check out Amanda Frederick. Uh, you'll find her on Instagram, okay? So without further ado, I'll shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Amanda Frederick. Amanda Frederick, how's life? So good, Lee. How's what it going with the, you? Yeah, it's good. What part of the world do you hail from, Amanda? I am in Michigan. Michigan. What's Michigan like? Right now, it's like 70 and sunny. Mm. But heading into fall, winter, it's going to start getting chilly. It's going to start getting chilly? Not like in LA. Like I, I complain. I complain here when it's like a little bit cold and it's probably really hot for people. Yeah. No, it gets really cold here. Uh, like really cold. <laughs> I've, I've I've gotten really soft since I've come here from the UK. The thought of going back to the UK to that kind of weather, eh? I don't know. Yeah. So, are you full time in LA? Uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that. The UK government has given me thirty days to get out of town. No way. Yeah, they lit. It's so hilarious, right? So, like in the UK. When obviously, so Liza is Californian and I yeah. am British, right? And Zia is of dual nationality. So when we were flopping between the UK and the US, because here's the thing, right? This is what the world doesn't do very well. It doesn't allow you to roam. 
Like you have to, you have to declare allegiance to somewhere, right? Like I don't, I don't like it. Right. So when we were in the UK, I said to Liza, look, you, you'd be better off if you get your um, citizenship here. So we don't have to fanny around, like leaving the country every six months. So there's a process in the UK called indefinitely to remain, which means you can like move out of the country for be out for like two and a half years, which I think is pretty cool. Right. Two and a half years is a long time. Right. Now, when you go through that process, if you, um, I don't know, you get your paperwork messed up or you miss something out or you forget something, they write to you and they say, hey, you missed something out or you did this wrong or you need to do this right. Okay, thank you very much. And then you supply them the information. Not in America. (laughs) So in America, if you do a little piece of your paperwork wrong or you don't supply them with the information that you needed because you kind of didn't understand what they were after, they give you, they decline your application and tell you to get the hell out of the country. Oh my gosh. So is that what happened? Yeah, that and um, the other part of it, which I think is I just cannot wrap my head around, is they will not accept my income as proof that we can take care of ourselves in America because I'm not an American citizen. Hmm. And Liza hasn't worked for four years because we've had a kid. So her, her money is zero. Yeah. Mine isn't allowed to count. So even if I was a billionaire... <laughs> They wouldn't let me into the country unless I can prove that the people I'm quote unquote living with can earn 38,000 a year. That's bizarre. It is. It is so effed up. And that is wild. Yeah. Right now, my uh, universe uh, bleeper is saying, okay, they don't want you here. It's a sign. Get out of here. Go somewhere else. So I'm kind of pondering that thought at the moment. Um yeah, I don't like it, Amanda. I don't, it's never, for the first 35 years of my life, it was never an issue. And yeah. when I started, when I started traveling and realized actually the best way to live is you know, go see the world. The world doesn't want you to see it unless you're just on vacation. And that's so frustrating. That is really frustrating. Mm. So all of this leads to me needing self-love in this time, but it also leads to my wife needing self-love in this time. And I want to talk about that a little bit because that's why I got you on, right? I was calling this episode Self-Love for Queens. Ooh, I love that. So the first thing I wanted to ask you for people listening in to this who are like, what the fuck is he on about? What's a queen? What is a queen? What is a queen? Where does does this thing come from? Why is it so kind of vogue at the moment, I guess, in certain circles? Yeah. I know, right? I feel like it is such a like trendy term right now <clears throat> for me. And I mean, the definition I, you know, what I think a queen is might be different than others, but I believe a queen is someone who knows who she is and knows that he or she, but knows who she is and is worthy of having every single thing she desires and understands that the world around her, her environment, universe, God, everything is always working in her favor to serve her. And that she is only responsible for showing up in a way that is authentic to her. Like that is her number one responsibility. And she's really paving the way for everyone else to come into their own as well. So 
I think when you're a queen, you're someone who is a leader and you're someone who has really figured out who you are, what you need, and really taken responsibility for how you're showing up and understanding that that's how what you desire comes into your world. It's all based on how you're showing up and who you're constantly evolving into and becoming. And by doing so, that gives everybody else permission to step into their own version of being their own queen. Mm, okay, I like that. Expand a little bit more on knows who she is, because I know when I stopped drinking when I was 35, this is when that question began for me. And yeah. it's got a lot more. I'm still asking it now, like what, like t- over 10 years later. So what does that what does that mean? Knows who she is? Because I, I imagine a lot of people go, yeah, I know who I am. Right. Yeah. And I think this is something, too, that I know, like for myself, it's always evolving and changing. So for me, like knowing who you are, once again, that's like coming from your center, your authenticity, what makes you you and not budging from that. So a lot of like what makes you you right are the boundaries that you hold. Where are you drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is me, this is for me, this is not me, this is not for me. And also like moment you you so like showing up in conversation showing up in relationship showing up if you're listening to a song like who are you in that experience and like for me I don't think it's something that you have to constantly define and stick to something you know I think it's always changing and it's something that you get to decide moment to moment like you have that power Mm, and I think I'm, like I'm, too, like for me, like the, the biggest thing was understanding that I'm not what everyone else wants me to be. And I'm not all of these things that were pushed upon me, you know, from my conditioning, from my parents, society, all of the things like that's not what, what power to decide who I am, how I show up. And we're so much more than what we think we are. Was there a time when you kind of like, I don't know, maybe a moment when you just sat on the bed or something or something traumatic has happened in your life where you thought, wow, like I am, I have become a byproduct of what everybody else wants me to be. Did you have that moment in your life? Oh, many times. And I think I still do sometimes. I I find myself being like, oh, fuck, that's not me. Or like, why did I even do that? Like, who was that even really for? But I think specifically like this whole like self-love and personal development journey, like I was into it for a really long time, but I don't, I think it really catapulted and like pushed me into it after I had my first daughter and was like experiencing postpartum depression. And I just became so fused within my role as a mom and who I thought I needed to be, like the type of mom I thought I needed to be. Was I living up to everyone else's expectations? If I did X, Y, and Z, then was I still a good mom? Like, was I fucking up my kid like all the time? Like mm-hmm. all the decisions. Um, and I, I felt like I really wasn't prepared. And so I also felt like after I had my first daughter, like most of us, when you have a kid and you're going through motherhood, you're reestablishing who you are anyway. And I think you have a much harder time if you don't know who you are at all prior to that. So like I went into becoming a mom, not really knowing who I was before and really not knowing who I was after. Mm-hmm. So kind of like really just establishing, all right, who am I now? Who, what type of mom do I want to be? 
And what's for me, what's not for me? What have I, what have I taken that's really not even mine into this role? Mm, I think so that's I think, super powerful, Amanda. You know, it remind it reminds me of my mom. I'm always pulling, I'm always pulling my poor mom and dad into, into these talks. I I'm so glad they don't listen to this podcast. You know, sometimes I look at I look at my mom, for example, right? She's yeah. had four, four kids. But it doesn't just stop there, right? So in a way, I, I look at my mom and she had me when she was 18. Mm-hmm. Now like touching on 70, right? Yeah. So it's like in a way, she was a baby machine. Like she literally was having babies and then she wasn't even having time to like even deal with the fact that I just had another, I've had a kid before she has another one. And then when the kids get to a certain age where she can all of a sudden kind of relax, I imagine a couple of things happen. One of them is like all of a sudden we start thrusting our grandchildren on her and now she becomes locked into that cycle but there's also this part which is like well actually who am i without my kids because right. I, I i know for I, I don't imagine my mom knowing her that at any time she got some sage and wafted it around and thought <laughs> who am i yeah it literally she literally become fused in this role and in and a part of that was giving a lot of the power away to my dad yeah. Can you speak into that a little bit? Specifically to giving the power away? Yeah. And and how do you how can you avoid getting into that fusion? Like how can you avoid how did you avoid getting fused into like I'm just a mom? Like what happened? Yeah, so I didn't avoid it for a little while. I was fused, which is why I became so depressed. Um and I was fused really into that part of me that was turned into like a victim and was like, why is this happening? Why do I feel this way? Why am I not getting the support that I need? When in reality, that was only a part of me that was really experiencing that. Like I I didn't relax and surrender into that experience at all because I didn't know how, like it wasn't modeled. Like I really, you know, like you hear about women going to different like communities with other women and other children and during that time and during that experience. And it makes so much sense because it's so, so necessary. And I did get fused. How did I get unfused? I started to realize that it didn't feel good. I didn't want to. I reached a point where I went to my doctor and I had been really, really depressed. And I knew going into it, she was just going to prescribe me antidepressants. Like that's, you know, that's her job. And so she's prescribed them to me. And then I went home and I sat at the table and I really, I just like looked at the prescription. I was like this, there's no way this is like the only fucking way. Like there's no way this is the answer or the only answer for me to figure out who I am and to get out of this fucking mess. And so I didn't end up taking them. I was like, I'm going to give myself 30 days. I'm going to put a plan together. I'm going to start working out more, eating better, reaching out. I think I even went into like an energy healing community, like an online community and started doing that and really putting myself out there and not allowing myself to be isolated anymore. Cause that's one of the things too, is like when so many of us, I know it's so common, like when we get fused into like that victim role or that part of us, that's really not feeling good with what we're experiencing. We isolate or we separate even when we know that it might help us. 
Um, so I stopped doing that because I knew, I knew that there had to be another way. Like there were people who were moms that had, were having a completely different experience. There were moms that were working and happy and also moms that were at home and happy and having all this like different complete like spectrum that I hadn't experienced. So I knew that it was possible. I knew that I just had to start doing things differently because what I was doing was working. So yeah, the main way I became unfused was I just kept trying different shit. And if it didn't work, I tried the next thing. And, you know, like if the people I, I was around, if that didn't feel good, I tried new people, you know, like I just kept going. Mm, you know, thanks for sharing that. You know, it's like what there's something here so important and so sad at the same time for me. It's like for every Amanda Frederick who has a moment where they're staring at these antidepressant tablets and something clicks within you and you're like, no fucking more there's another woman who stares at them and takes them and never finds the right combination of whatever it takes to try one thing, like just one thing, get a car to get yourself some freedom, Um, have find a community of other people who've got kids. Like I just see some people who just, it's almost like, it's not, it's almost like they're not even giving up. They don't even know that there's another way. And then it's like, and obviously those people are not listening to this podcast which saddens me even more because it's like, how can, how can you, and then there's boundaries. You don't want to step into this space because it's up to them type of thing. Like, yeah, I find it all really kind of like sad. And, and, and I like the way you touch upon the victim side of it. Like you, you are kind of identified like there was some kind of victim consciousness and that didn't feel right. And you wanted to get out of that, you know, sounds like it was really tough, but it, equally liberating for you. Oh, Extremely. Like I, I always identify that as being like the, the biggest like turning point in my life. Cause I had been living unconscious like years before that, but it was much more comfortable because I didn't have a baby. Mm. And so it was a lot easier. And you know, the, the victim consciousness thing, it's easy to reflect on now because I have the awareness. And I also think like there are so many people walking around who are waiting to be brought to the fact that they're in it. So many people don't have the awareness yet that they're even in it, which coming back to like that comment about, you know, people taking the pills and never really, you know, knowing that there's other options or trying new things. It's like, that's partly our job, right. To keep telling our own stories and to keep promoting the awareness and, and sharing that, you know, there are other ways and things are possible. Uh, Cause I think it is easy too to get into that mindset of, Oh, well, I tried everything. Oh, well, I tried this. And, you know, and there are people that unfortunately do give up or, you know, settle with being really uncomfortable and numb and in the pain and fused with all of it. But I do think there's an opportunity, especially now with everything that's going on in the world and coaching becoming huge and everyone sharing and social media and podcasts and everything like there's so many more opportunities for all of us to bring the light to other people and keep sharing. Mm. And so I do think that there is hope for a lot of people now. Yeah. You know, I just thought about my mom, you know, like my mother's standard day of like waking up in the morning and putting the news on the TV and then reading the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine now there's a different, cause I don't live with her, but I imagine there's a different part of that now, which is like social media. Cause she has a Facebook account and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if, if her son 
posts this podcast or writes about something like this, she's now going to read it, whereas before she wouldn't have read it if it was a newspaper. And then it's, it may set that in those internal questions going. And that, I, I guess it's like, a, it's that tension, right? It's like, I thought you need that tension for you to be like, oh, ah, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. And, and sometimes we can feel so comfortable in our uncomfortableness that we don't have that tension, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes the normal mm. it for so long. Yeah. And um, like I'm touched deeply and it's all around me, the almost like uh, the patriarchal way of being like mm-hmm. what it, how I should be as a man looking at my father as a role model of a man. Um, yeah. And I know from my own work, how that is impacting me. And that's not like what I wanted to talk about on this podcast, but I, I see my wife uh, going through similar shit when it comes to, again, having children, you know, and it's like, um, you know, like this, this is like, there's a part, like, I don't want to be like my mom, but then it's like, I, there's some really great parts of it. There's um, what is my mom going to think of the way that I'm parenting how do I feel about I'm parenting? How do other people feel like? And that's just like the parenting side of being a woman, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I imagine there's a there's a lot of it's difficult to avoid shame when it comes to just the programming that you get from birth about how you should function as a woman. Can you just talk into that a little bit about how that historical storyline and history of matriarchy impacted on you and what you see in your clients? Yeah, well, I think for so long, you know, the system, man and woman and having children, like it it was the same way for so long. And we're finally breaking through some of that. But, you know, it was the man, you know, worked and was the leader and the woman had the babies and took care of the kids. And, you know, that was kind of that, you know. And I think that that still works for some people. I think, I think the problem is when you stick to some type of power scenario where it only works for one person or it doesn't work for either. Like if you feel really fucking powerful and like you are leading within your family and living your best life and you know, most authentic version of you as having kids and staying home and cleaning the house and, you know, cooking and doing all those things. If that really fucking lights you up, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The the problem, the problem is now the world that we live in now, women are doing so many other things while also trying to manage kids, house, all of that. And so there's just being this huge call for men to step up and to lead and, also for the woman to be able to lead, you Mm. know? And I think, I think a lot of it is finding that balance and what works for you and being open to the woman carrying different roles and different energies and different opportunities than what has been present in the past and making it work for your family. Right. Cause when there's kids involved, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It just has to work for everyone. And I think the main thing is like always the love is what's going to hold everything together. Like who's doing what and who's showing up and whether, you know, if the woman's very masculine and the man is very feminine, like none of that really matters. It's, you know, is the love there? Is the growth there? Is everyone able to hold each other and function and grow, you know, like that's what really matters. And I think like, as far as like the feminine rising and the feminine taking over, I think that it's great. And I don't think it's like 
taking away from the fact that men are also rising and becoming better leaders. There's space for all of it. Right. Mm. And I think that, I think that whatever, you know, relationship you're in, whether that's friendship, intimate, your family, your, your community, all of it, it just has to work for you. Yeah. I mean, I work with so many men, you know, and they, um, they all want the same thing in general. They, they just want to be a great dad and they want to be a great husband. Yeah. They, they just really don't have the right rule book. Like the rule book that we're given is not the right one. And, and so it's, it's like, it's being able to get into that conversation with your queen and then be like, okay, how, how, how can we do this differently? So, cause I, I do, I want you to love me. I want to love you. Like, how can we make this happen? I tell you what a, a massive one was in my relationship with Liza was um, it wasn't so much um, Lee. I need you to do some of these um, things that slip into the parents in black hole, like organizing a birthday party, getting yeah. her in the right school. You know, that I call it the black hole stuff that a lot of men just wouldn't even think about. Right. It's not that it's more about Lee can we do this together? Can we choose a school together? Can we organize the birthday party together? Can we do things together? And I found that once I was like, because my my mentality at one point was very silo. It was very, well, no, no, no. It doesn't make sense to do that. I'm too rational. It was like, no, you organize the birthday and then I'm going to spend those four hours actually working to make some money Right. She really got me to see that that was actually very painful and led to disconnection. Whereas actually working with her on a couple of, not even four hours, just saying, okay, how's this look? What do we do? Like it was a game changer. I would say my relationship with Liza as a result of that co-parenting strategy and those discussions, it's like a thousand X more intimate and more connected. Yeah. I love that so much. And it also makes total sense, you know, probably giving your programming, like wanting to take that four hours and be super productive and use it, you know, to, to what it meant for you. But I love too, like the co-parenting strategy that you were open to and were able to create. And I'm sure too, that had so much like benefited your partnership so much because like a team, you know, like that's, that's the main thing, like with having kids, like you want a teammate, right? Like, Mm. and whatever, and whatever that means for the, the two parents involved like how can you make it feel like you're working as a team Mm. we we got into a battle of time it was it was um because i have a very rigid personality pattern i always wanted to protect my time and i was really rigid about it i was like okay i can play with zia for like 15 minutes right now and liza was never like that so then in order to get her space in the relationship she had to do the same thing So now all of a sudden we're both protecting time. So it led to me thinking, oh shit, she wants my time. And then Mm -hmm. I realized that once I opened myself up to actually listening and showing an interest jointly in building the life that we want, she would give me more time. So it wasn't a time issue at all. It wasn't like, no, Lee, I need all your time. It was like, Lee, wake the fuck up, like see me in my role, see me as your queen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't get it as a, as a, like a fucking brute guy. Yeah. I just didn't get it. Well, I think too, 
it's hard to communicate if you don't know that like that's that that's actually what you're desiring right we make it about all of these other things right like i want x y and z from you you're not giving me this that and the other thing and you're like well that doesn't make sense so i'm going to do this but it's mm-hmm. like if we really get down to the root of like what it is that we want and need you know like the connection the support all of that and being a team it's so much easier to be like oh she wants me. She wants me there. Like it's she not yeah. just like, she doesn't just want my help. Like she wants like me. It's so much easier coming from that place. Yeah. I get, I get so many uh, guys when I'm working with them on relationships, they're like, you know, and I was the same way. It's like, I don't need fixing. It's the wife that needs fixing. Like I'm, I'm doing these self-help things. I got a coach and doing courses. She's doing nothing. Right. Yeah. Like Lee, you really need to work on her because she's blaming me for, for everything. And I and I'm losing my shit because of her doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, dude, like, let's just chill out a little bit here. What would your life look like if actually you took 100 percent responsibility for everything? Whoa, I'm not doing that. No, let's just see what would happen. Do you think if we did that? Because what likely would happen is she would fall in love with you, which is what you which is what you want. And it's not like you're a doormat. It's just you're you're looking in her eyes and, and and when she turns around and says she was a prick last night, you're like, yeah, I guess I was a little bit of a prick and I can be a little bit of a prick versus no, I wasn't. It was you. We interrupt this amazing conversation between Amanda Frederick and Lee Davy to bring you some new startling news. If you want to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol in the best program available in the world, working with experts such as Lee, Lee, Lee and Lee for six months, then sign up for the Strive Method. The Strive Method, ladies and gentlemen, only £300. Go to the website, www.1000daysober.com, to learn more. Now, without further ado, I'm going to put you back in the beautiful hands of that beautiful queen, Amanda Frederick. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's just that, that, you know, taking responsibility and it's like that offering your softness in the yes, moment. softness, tender. Yeah, like... And it, it's so hard in the moment, like in the heat of things to know that that's what that person needs. Um, the majority of the time, that is what the feminine wants. Like even if they're coming at you with, with anger, frustration, whatever, like, and the masculine as well. Like if the opposite is able to really like soften into their body and into the moment and come from that place, there's going to be an opportunity to connect rather than just to continue to butt heads. Mm. And I have, I have so many clients too, that are like, I'm doing blaming, blaming the husband or the boyfriend or whatever. Like I'm doing this and that, and I'm showing up and they're just, they're not. And I had a client last week. I wish he would see it from my eyes is what she kept saying. I wish, I wish he would see it from my eyes. And it's like, how have you seen it from his eyes at all yet? Like, what is he experiencing? Mm. And she's like, I'm doing all of this work. I'm getting the coaching. I'm doing all of this. And I just feel like he's not doing anything. And it's like, really though, like, what is the intention behind what we're doing? Is it for the other person to show up in a certain way? Like, do we have this expectation or can we just go into it with our own, you know, our intention just to expand ourselves And have that be the invitation to call the other person forward Hmm. rather than this, like, you must do this. And if, you know, if the outcome isn't there, then it's like, fuck, what was it all for? Yeah. I mean, the word that comes up for me when you talk about that is attachment. Like it's, 
it's really been on my mind lately the last couple of days, you know, it's like, like I'm, I'm a kind of rigid personality type, right? Like I'm like, okay, I wake up in the morning. I, my Google calendar is like pretty structured around what I'm doing, you know, but yesterday, for example, I, I, I got up, um, I got news that I, I was going to interview Richard Schwartz on the podcast with, you know, from the parts work. So I was like yeah. super made up for that. Had two awesome. wonderful, wonderful sessions with clients. Got on a call with somebody and they're coming into our family. And that was amazing. And then I just stopped. And I've, all, I've only just like got four hours into my day, right? And I was like, okay, there was something suddenly that was like, stop, stop what you're doing. Like I felt a little bit tired because my hypothyroid has been playing up. A little bit tired. And I was like, and it was a voice and it just said, stop. Today's been a great day. Today is a great day. Why do you need to do any more today? Oh. Go pick your kid up from school with your wife. Go shopping, eat out. Don't, don't quote unquote work. And it was, it was massive. It was, a, it was a, like I, uh, allowed me, there was something within me saying, drop the attachment to the rest of your day. So I've been walking around like, like this morning when Zia was uh, not eating a breakfast. I was like actually talking to myself, Lee, drop the attachment that you want her to eat a breakfast. Lee, drop the attachment that you need to get out of the house on time. Lee, and I literally was doing this. And as I was doing it, like I wouldn't say I'm going like completely opposite and just like fuck the world. I've got no structure or anything. Yeah. But massively. So what I hear when you're talking is a similar type of thing. It's like drop the attachment that I have to the way that I want my husband to behave. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that too, that you're just like, all right, fuck it. We're celebrating Yeah. the shopping and the going out to eat. Like, I, I love that you left the rest of your day and you just were in flow with doing that. And like, what feels good. I think that we wait too long to celebrate. I think we need to do more of that. Mm, but I, I've been really struggling. I've been really struggling with the, um, the concept of slowing down mm -hmm. to get more, yeah. like less is more. So I've been struggling with that concept of, well, if I put out the right energy and the right frequency out there to whatever higher power, I call it universe, mm -hmm. then I'll get all my needs met. Like I've really been struggling with that. And this, this attachment thing, like yesterday of, well, actually Lee, just stop this. I need to work really hard to make some money um, attitude this afternoon. Just stop that a minute, celebrate you've had a great day and I'll just go out and do your stuff. I'm kind of thinking I'm on the right road. I'm kind of thinking like, if I do that more, yeah, I'm going to get more. I just have a feeling in my gut. Like the tide has turned. It's only taken forty six years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you're just going into right that that gratitude vibration, which sets you up to receive. And it's like when we get so focused on our schedule and being really busy and working more and doing all the things that we think we need to be doing, we get tunnel vision, right? So we're only seeing like a small amount of like what's actually happening. And we don't have any space in our field or our body to even receive. So it's like, if we slow down and stop putting more on our plate and really expand our vision and our energy and go into that vibration of like gratitude and just celebrate whatever the hell's going on, there's going to be more space in your body and your field for miracles to drop in for different mm. 
better things than you probably even had planned, you know? And it's not like an easy thing because we're all, we're all go, go, go. And we're all really stuck in thinking that that's the way to get to from A to B when really there's all these other nonlinear ways that we can take. There's just has to be space for it. Mm. Can we touch upon that a little bit more that the receiving part of thing, because again, this is, this is a concept that um, until recently was not something that I ever given too much thought around. Right. So, yeah. you know, expanding on, on what you said there, how can I frame this? So if we, if we think about yesterday in my life as an example, so I'm thinking in my head that if I work really hard, yes, like if I work really hard this, let's say I'm in yesterday and work really hard this afternoon, then I'm, I'm going to, um, make more money, which is, or I'm going to help more people, which is going to keep us more secure. Right. So that's like a typical, I think like a typical man's way of thinking about things. Yeah. Now, if I open that space up and I say to myself, okay, Lee, divert your energy and your attention, drop that attachment and just spend time either with your family or reading or just sitting outside, like doing nothing, but just, 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 just take your energy away from that for a moment, then that enables me to receive the, and this is where I maybe get a little lost, to receive the right kind of energy and love and signals, which means I, I, there's a tie in here. There's I don't show up for people in a needy, needy, healthy kind of way. I'm showing up for people in a very powerful, healthy way. Right. So like if, if I was going to see you today as a client, for example, I'm thinking there's a link there in as much as like, I really want to show up and help Amanda today versus I need to help Amanda today. Like yeah. the, it goes from a need to a to a desire and I want to help you versus a need almost like to help myself. Mm hmm. So how does how is how does the receiving part fit into that, or am I just being too trying to be too logical? Just tell me if I'm trying to be too logical. No, 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 no. I think I think there's a lot there, and I think like I think of receiving like from the idea of like in order to receive, whether doesn't matter what it is, like love, money, guidance, whatever desire is there, but in order for your body, your vessel, your energy to be in that receptive state, you have to be open, right? So in order to be open, you can't have like walls up. You can't be functioning at a constricted way, which is why like finding that balance of that masculine feminine energy of the go and the flow is what's going to create your body and your energy to be receptive and to receive. And I think like it's that balance, right? Because if we're just in the masculine, which most of us learn that if you want something done, like if you want it done right, you need to do it. Um, mm. You need to work really hard for it. Like making money is hard. Um, relationships are hard, like what, whatever it is. Um, and that like do it all work really hard, like masculine energy. When we're in just that, we're going to be really closed off because it's like a constricted, like moving, like smaller kind of like force. Whereas if you try and balance it with the softening and the more openness and the more ease and the flow and some like fluidity and movement, 
and not being so like rigid and structured, that's going to create more openness. But like you were saying, like, it's not, it can't just be one or the other. You have to be both. You can't just be like in flow and open and receive. You also do have to take action. So Mm -hmm. like there is that balance of both. And I think it's different for every person, but I think the key to being able to receive is to be open. And the majority of us are a little bit open more. There's, you know, like different scenarios where we're more open and receptive than others. But I think it's always taking inventory of, okay, like, how does your body feel? Like, are you feeling closed off? How is your breath? How is the space above your heart? Like when we have walls up or Mm. we're feeling that like nervousness, that tension, that anxiousness, okay, how can I soften more into this moment? Where do I need to move my breath in my body to relax a little bit, create a little bit more space and open up? And from this place, what action do I need to take to have it be aligned with what it is I'm desiring to receive? Mm, So much in that, Amanda, you know, like, I mean, the the first thing that I want to impress here, if I was listening to this podcast when I was struggling with alcohol 10 years ago, the way my mindset was, I would think when you're talking masculine, feminine, mm-hmm. I would think gender. Yeah. I, would think, I would think, oh, masculine, she's talking about a man. Feminine, she's talking about a woman. But you're not talking about that, are you? Like, just for the audience who might not be no, familiar yeah. with those terms, can you just explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the masculine, feminine, it's energies that we all as humans carry. And it's not gender specific. A masculine or a a male can have, you know, highly feminine energy and a female can have highly masculine energy. The masculine feminine, it's just that go and that flow energy, mm. right? So the masculine is a little bit more like rigid, but stable, strong. And the feminine is more like ease, flowy. There's more movement. And so really finding that balance between the two is what's going to open you up to receive. And I mean, mm. there's so, there's so much to you can dive into with the energies, but it's not gender specific. We all hold both of them. And, you know, the key is to finding that balance within ourselves and our own, our own body. And I think it's different for every person. There's no like one way or one, you know, one um, what's ratio of it yeah it's not like Like, it's not like an 80 20 rule around this no not at all it's different it'll be different yeah and it's different Mm. for different men and different women you know Mm. it's you know you have to find what works for you and your body Mm. i I could share a little personal story on that that will um act as a learning point actually i think is um i i with me and liza like with our sex life for example you know of Take taking into consideration my living circumstances, living with my in-laws and sleeping in the same room as my daughter, obviously is a is a problem. Um, but outside of that, there was there was a definite, yeah, I don't really want to have sex energy yeah. coming from Liza, right? Where I was kind of like, oh, I really want to have sex, but but the function of sex, right? Right, which you basically you can just say, I want to come right? Like if we're just going to get to the point, right? That, that energy. And I realized, right. After, you know, doing a lot of work that the, I think one of the light bulb moments for me was not just realizing that I have masculine and feminine energy within myself, 
but I have healthy and unhealthy versions of both. Oh, yeah. Um, and what I found was my unhealthy masculine. So, so there's a healthy masculine, which Liza loves. She likes me to be strong. She likes me to be in charge. She finds us super sexy, right? But there is an unhealthy masculine, which I think is actually the patriarchy, which is when I'm acting like a child. Yeah. And when I am around acting like a child and uh, you could just think of a CEO of a major company who's a right dick. And that is the type of energy I'm talking about. When you're like that, I actually found that then Liza would slip into unhealthy masculine and then we would just bash into each other. And then I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So there's a couple of things I can do here. I can slip into healthy masculine, but how do I help Liza slip into healthy feminine? So the flow and the go kind of comes together. And once I figured that out, then yeah. all of a sudden I was like, hey, Liza, um, do you want to have sex? And she's like, yeah, bring it on, right? Like, honestly, like that polarity yeah. and understanding that polarity and how your relationship as a container is really dependent on you getting that right. My analytical brain really helped me to yeah. figure that out. And then you go into the, the feminine to kind of like, kind of figure it out. Oh yeah. I don't know if you want to speak that. into that at all. Yeah. I, I love that. And it all comes back to presence, right? Like first and foremost, like becoming aware and present with the energy that you're currently giving out mm. and becoming responsible for that. And also noticing, okay, what energy is the other person currently getting out and transmuting? Okay. So from this place, is this what I desire or is there something better that would work better for both of us? And then it's, okay, how can I evoke that out of my partner? Who do I have to become? What energy do I need to hold and transmit out that will really help the situation and help my partner step into their best energy that will be the polarity of like what we need to really get things going. And so I think a lot of it is like the awareness of what you're, what you're putting out, what your partner's putting out, the presence with that, and then grounding into the energy that you actually want to emit hmm. while also staying present with your partner and giving space and time for them to do the same. Yeah. And that, that ties into the receiving part of it because if I'm this morning when we was lying in bed, Lisa looked over to me and she just looked at me and said, there is so much light about you these days. Mm. I don't, I don't see the dark anymore. There's just so much light about you. Right. And what I, what I think when she says that and listening to you talk about uh, receiving is if I work on myself and I work on recognizing and raising awareness of when the unhealthy masculine and the unhealthy feminine show up in me mm -hmm. and then making a decision to make changes to reduce the likelihood that that will happen. So just learn to regulate and take care of my own shit and recognize this and then move into more healthy masculine feminine, then she will open up and receive that energy. When she receives that energy from true self, she's going to feel intimate and connected and trust me. If I'm in unhealthy masculine and feminine, unhealthy masculine, unhealthy feminine, she's going to put a wall up. She's not yeah. going to receive that energy because she doesn't want to because she's protecting herself, mm -hmm. right? Because, because she's doing the work as well. Yep. Or if she's not doing the work, she's actually going to receive that shitty 
toxic energy and it's gonna it's gonna lead to like fights conflict resentment codependency like it's 100%. pretty huge it's pretty huge right yeah it's all stemming from like not feeling safe yes safe and secure and trusting in the relationship yeah. container yeah yeah i know it's so interesting and i know too like the majority of the time working with women like as far as like sexual polarity goes it's typically the heart space but not just sexual polarity the majority of the time like working with women that is the area that's blocked is the heart that's mm. where they're experiencing tension that's where the walls are um and this is the place that is causing a lot of that like unhealthy feminine unhealthy masculine bumping heads within the relationship it's like once the woman or the feminine partner is really able to open their heart and then the male is really able to really like ground their lower body mm. into the earth then both parties are like pretty much ready and there's going to be that safety and that support and that presence that is needed for both of them yeah i remember reading um mating in captivity by esther perel yeah and she does, she does these things with her clients. She's like, let's say you've got a guy who's like always wanting sex. Like he's always nagging, nagging, nagging sex. And the woman's like, I fucking want sex. I just want to feel connected to you. Yeah. She, she asks them to switch. No, let me get this right. No, she asked, the, she asked the woman to like whenever he asked for sex to give it to him. And she asked the man whenever she asked for connection to give it. And she says she's found in her research and working with couples that if the man gets sex because he wants sex right then all of a sudden he doesn't want it as much yeah <laughs> and and vice versa when she gets her connection she realized she doesn't need it as much now that's like like okay there's like a load of different lego blicks you can you can build around that like that's just one piece but i've definitely found like a shift from oh my god oh my god oh my god i want to have sex i want to have sex i want to have sex i don't have sex i don't have sex to suddenly being in a different space where it's kind of like, oh yeah, I I, I don't think like that anymore. Yeah. Like it's it's more it's more natural. It's not forced. It's um, I don't hold any resentment when lies is like, no, I don't really feel like it. Like mm -hmm. everything is switched because it's almost like my sexual cup is filled. Yeah, and it 100%. wasn't before, and it makes a massive difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's that goes right back to attachment, right? Like we get so attached to these things that we think we're going to get a big payoff from, sex being mm. one of them, and we get so attached to the act and then we're not really getting fulfilled from it. So then we want more and more and more. Whereas truly like what we're after the majority of the time is connection, connection. and intimacy and yeah. love, which we can find in all of these other places, mostly like, within ourselves and when we find that it's like oh sex is just extra and it yes. feels really good but it's like not everything that's massive massive because like when i'm thinking sex 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 no 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 that's not really what's happening under the hood i'm thinking connection 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 she doesn't because i'm slipping into my anxious attachment style then right i'm like I'm slipping into my anxious attachment style. I don't feel like she is giving me so much connection. And the only way I know to connect is sex, kissing her, holding her, touching her, which then triggers her avoidant because she's like, oh, it's too slimy, too much. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, it's totally. such a dance, right? And it is. It, it must be so difficult for a man or a woman on the receiving end of that leaky sexual sliminess. It must be so difficult to handle. Like, how many people out there are like, I just fuck my husband or I just fuck my wife because I think it's a duty? Like, it must be so proliferate. Yes. And I think it's normal for a lot of people. Like, I think that not necessarily normal, but I think that the way that sex is portrayed, you know, like in the conditioning movies, everything, it's like, that is normal. Like it's normal to have sex and not always enjoy it. It's normal to have sex all the time. It's normal to never have sex. It's, you know, like we make all of these meanings based on Mm. like what we've seen. Mm. And, you know, I think, I think having a quality sex life is really important for the majority of us Mm. and is definitely, definitely improves your relationship and your life. But it's like, I think for a lot of people, we're still finding like that's, that's it. And it's like, they're basing so much of their relationship on that and not Mm. finding other ways to connect Mm. and to become intimate when it's like, we have the capacity to, you know, experience a full body orgasm without even having sex. And like, Yeah, I think like there's so much more for us to really explore within, you know, ourselves and our partner. Mm, Yeah, for sure. Like little things like we were talking about earlier on, like um, just showing up and playing with your daughter, like being totally and utterly present with her. You're suddenly connected to your wife in a big way. Oh, yeah. You know, like and it's 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 not it's you're right. It's like it's like. um learning that all these parts all affect the whole, right? Like everything that you're doing is affecting in some way the whole, like your system, like your relationship is a system, like you're a system, your wife's a system. It's like, it's like in everything like you do, it's like, it really does touch on other, other parts of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. self-love for women. So what are the things you're finding in your work some of the blocks for women when it comes to like self-love, what, why, why do women find it so difficult and in, in what ways are you helping them to overcome that and to get into uh, a lot of people might not even know what self-love and self-care even, even means, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think self-love for me really means, you know, like we started out the podcast with knowing who you are, what you need, what you desire and really honoring that. And mm setting boundaries in a way to where you continually get to show up as yourself and love on yourself and coming from a place of wholeness and having that compassion for all the parts of you and knowing that, you know, like we're always going to fuck up. Things are always going to be challenging. And it's the way that we really move through our life that matters and how we continue to show up for ourselves. And from that place, that's how you get to experience whatever you want. Mm, I mm. think the main reason that women especially have such a hard time with it is because it wasn't modeled. Like we, you know, we, we look to our parents for, you know, how to take care of ourselves, how to accept what it is that we need in relationship, how to be treated in relationship, how to treat others, you know, every single thing. And so like, I know personally, like that wasn't modeled for me, like self-love with my mom. Like my mom was so selfless and amazing. And I think so, so common, like stay at home, mom took care of us, completely neglected her needs. Didn't really figure out, you know, like what it was that she needed. 
And then, you know, you get to a place where you're older and you're just like, fuck, I don't even know like who I am, what I need. And then you have a little bit of that resentment for that role. Yeah. Um, so I think the main, the main block I see in the majority of my clients as well is that their relationship with their mom and what was modeled and having, you know, a little bit of like guilt for wanting to even take control of their life and declare their needs and go after what they really want just because that's not like a normal thing for a lot of women. Mm. Like they didn't see that. And so, you know, my work with women is really like repatterning that and creating that to be the normal within their body. Like, what do you actually need? What do you actually desire? And what do we need to really remove and release from your system in order for that to be the new norm? Mm. Do do you find that um, male partners are getting in the way of the female growth. Like, so do you get clients going, well, I would love to do X, Y, Z or spend time doing this, but I don't get that time or he won't agree for me to do this. Are you, are you do you get any of that in, in your, in your clients? So yeah, yes, I get that all the time. Cause I work with a lot of moms and a lot of moms that stay home and aren't really, you know, making, um, like financially, the husband is the one bringing the money home. So like one of the biggest mm. ones I hear is, Oh, he's not going to support this. He doesn't, um, he won't pay for this or he doesn't believe in that, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, Mm. you know, truly I think there's, this is so multi-layered, but at the end of the day, it's no one else's responsibility to place you on that path and to keep you going. It's yours. And, you know, holding somebody else responsible for your growth and for the love that, you get to create yourself within your own system and your own life is silly, whether or not it's your partner, whether or not there's, you know, a financial block, which I know is hundred percent real. There are other ways, like there are other ways to take baby steps. Like you don't need to hire, you know, a $10,000 coach. If you know, your husband won't pay for it. There are other yeah. ways to, you know, really figuring it out and start to live in your truth without blaming your partner or blaming whatever else is there. Yeah. I love that. It's like, don't get into that victim consciousness and take responsibility and find work with your friends or a coach or like, how can I find a way around this, you know? And then at at the same time for the men out there listening or all the women, whoever is like controlling the bacon, you know, in the house, like if you really want true love, what I found is the way to get, to get that and to get that connection and everything you want in a relationship is give your partner the time, the money, the support, the energy to work on themselves. Because if you, if you do that, everybody, like very few people want to go through life, like raising their kids in the wrong way, for example. Right. So like, if you let your partner work on themselves, that in itself is going to really impact your relationship, which your kids are then going to model. Listen to what Amanda just said. Listen to what I've been saying. Like, wh- who who modeled us? Like, we don't blame our parents. They did the best that they could, right? But if we can now take that to the next level and say, okay, what do we want to mirror for our children, right? Like, and, and then kind of like the I, like I call ourselves the lineage breakers, right? It's like like we can show them a different way. Um, so that that's that's. That's been a huge one for me. It's like, okay, what do you need, Lies? Like, you need you need to do a 10K course. You need to do a 20K course. Why is it that important to you? How are we going to find the money? Let's work together to make that happen if that's really important to you versus, no, I want a piece of that. I want that time. I want some of that money. We can't afford it. Uh, it, it just leads to that 
blocking of that receivership again, as you were saying, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And like going back to what you said before that, like the ripple effect, like when you or your partner or your friend or whoever is receiving that support, that coaching, that whatever it is, knowing that it's not just for them, like it's for you too. Yes. Their energy is going to amplify. Their life is going to change. And like you are who you're around. So you're going to benefit too. And you're going to completely change too. Even if you're not the one receiving it, you're still going to receive as long as you're open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So Amanda, how can, how can people find you? How could they uh, get hold of you and learn more about your work? Yeah. So Instagram is my main handle that I use. Um, my first and last name with a little, uh, underscore in between my first name and last name. So just Amanda underscore Frederick underscore. And yep, that's the main way right now. I'm still building my website right now, so it's not up and running yet. Mm-hmm. And yep, I'll be relaunching my group program just for moms in the middle of October. It's group coaching and breath work for postpartum moms. And then I'm going to start taking new one-on-one clients at the beginning of October. So just a few weeks. Well, go and check her out. Sounds like absolutely fabulous work. I know in our community, there are... Um, a lot of moms that really struggle when they're having, uh, when they've had children, uh, for sure. And a lot of people that could do your help. So please check her out on Instagram folks. And Amanda, keep up the good work. It's been amazing talking to you and I uh, think you're a beautiful, amazing person. So thank you for being on the show today. Mm, thank you so much, Lee. It's so much fun talking with you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Uh, Myself and Amanda Frederick talking about relationships, talking about self-love, talking about women, queens, uh, matriarchy, patriarchy, all that kind of stuff. Masculine, feminine energy, really super important stuff. Now, before you go, uh, just to let you know, we have a new group coaching program. It's going to be launched sometime week commencing around the 15th of September. It's called Gemba Life. Gemba Life. People are going to be working with me in a group for three months where I take them through 12 different concepts that are going to help you find your true self to really move out of a life of victim consciousness and into a life of supreme curiosity, uh, wonder, joy, and amazement. Okay. We're going to be looking at things like inner child work. We're going to be looking at parts work. We're going to be looking at shame. We're going to be looking at masculine and feminine energy, attachment styles in relationships, psychosocial integration. We're going to have a really good deep dive into your life. You'll have a weekly, um, Uh, a teaching session by me on a specific topic. And later on in the week, then we will have a group coaching where I will coach you personally one-on-one in order for you to learn and embody that information that we're teaching that week. Okay. So if you're into that, go to uh, www.1000daysober.com and check that out. Or email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. Actually, better to email me, 1kdaysober at gmail.com, and we'll set you up um, for that training course. It's $500, $500, which is around 360 pounds for three months of a wonderful experience. Okay, take care, everybody. 